Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I am your host, Kamal Murray, and we are with Pride of Stanford, the Pride of Poway, California, which I've never been to and never met anybody other than Bradley. We've been there. Bradley Klein, thanks for coming to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So tell us about Poway, California, because I literally had to like look it up on the map and be like, where the hell is this place? Uh, and I found it close to San Diego. So now it all makes sense, right? All your California roots. Uh, but tell us about Poway. Yeah, so I was born and raised out there. My parents are from the Midwest. My mom was born in Rockford, Illinois. My dad was born in Kansas City. They made their way out to San Diego before I was born. So I... I a lot of really good childhood memories from Poway, you know, good tennis. I trained at a community center with my coach, Lee Mary, from the time I was 11. I, I played a lot of other sports. Tennis was the last one I picked up. Basketball, baseball, soccer, you name it. I was, I was into it. And I remember getting into tennis out there purely because, my soccer coach didn't really want me playing on the all-star baseball team over the summer. They were conflicting and I, I loved baseball and I was like, all right, well, screw it. I'm done with soccer. Like if you <laughs> get to cause me problems like that, you're going to punish me for missing practice. Like I'm out. I, and then I needed something else to do with my time over the summer. And I, I had a buddy from T-ball we'd grown up together. My, my mom's still good friends with his mom. And he just, he was athletic and we'd go down and we'd play two out of three sets. And I don't even know if we knew what we were doing at the time, <laughs> but we could keep score. And we just started battling and I loved it. And I picked it up from there. And it was, it was a great place, obviously, weather-wise Southern California, you're close to so many great tennis players who play year round. I love going home to Poway. It's just, it's peaceful. It's still home for me. It's close enough to San Diego that if you want a little bit of the city, you can drive 25, 30 minutes, but it's got that, I would say, easy feel, like comfortable, relaxed, just mm -hmm. the suburb life that's, that's quiet and a good place to recharge. So it's interesting because, number one, most people quit tennis because a tennis coach forces them to specialize. Like, oh man, you can't play <laughs> basketball and tennis. So the kid was like, all right, screw tennis. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you, you, you got into tennis because the soccer coach tried to give you an ultimatum and then tennis went out. <laughs> You're the first person I heard to get ultimatum <laughs> into tennis. Cause other than that, I feel like we lose players all the time with that ultimatum. I'm, every time I meet a good junior, I'm like, oh, you like baseball? Play both. You like yeah. baseball? I'm never going to be like, oh, it's tennis or nothing. Because I'm like, well, he's going to give me that tennis racket and walk right outside the door. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd played tennis on family vacations with my parents, but I, 
I had never really done anything specific. I'd never done it. Really taken a lesson, taken a done a a week long camp, and yeah, he pushed me right into the sport, and I never looked back. And are you a natural lefty? Because I'm I'm a natural lefty. When I learned to play tennis in the park on the south side of Chicago, and so I remember my first couple of days playing, my coach Earl. I remember no Cassius Little, no it was Earl. Earl it was a Rainbow Beach, and he was like, "Man, you can't suck that bad. Try hitting it with your right hand." No. So, right, I write with my left hand, even my left hand. I'm natural lefty, but play mm-hmm. tennis right-handed because my coach was like, you can't suck that bad. You, and a lot of times, like, a kid doesn't know whether they're right hand or left hand. Right. So I'm, like, seven years old, and he's like, yeah, you just don't know what, what hand you're, your dominant hand. So that's how I started playing tennis. So are you a natural lefty? So I do all sports left-handed, but I write and eat right-handed. Got it. So I throw a ball left-handed and, you know, it's funny. My parents still tell me the story. They had a friend who was a, a minor league baseball player and he, I, I believe I have this right, but from like one or two years old, he put the ball in my left hand and was teaching me how to throw lefty. And like, you know, <laughs> lefty, lefty's right. Like, especially for a lefty relief pitcher. Like that's oh, yeah. where the money is. Right. Obviously, I didn't go that route, but lefty tennis player, how, how big of an advantage is it? So, I don't know. My Both my parents are – I mean, my mom's a natural righty. My dad plays tennis righty, but golf's lefty. We have it all. My sister's a natural lefty, com- like, through and through. My brother's all righty. Like, we've got it all. So, I – yeah, I, I do all sports. I, I bat left-handed. I throw left-handed. I play golf left-handed. Tennis left-handed. So I, I don't know if it was all due to that ball being put in my left hand from one or two and just learning the mechanics that way. Uh, but I, I'm thankful for it. <laughs> so I'm wondering when you were forced into tennis by the soccer coach, right, was your mom relieved? Because your mom played college tennis at Iowa. And right. it doesn't sound like at six or seven years old, she started breeding you for, to be a tennis player. But I'm no. sure she was happy when you found your way into the game. How did that, how did she feel when you started? Yeah, so my parents wanted us to play golf and tennis just because they were sports that you could play your entire life. They were good for business. My parents wanted me to use my tennis and get the best education possible. Once once I got into tennis, obviously, they, you know, it was nice, I guess, backtracking to when I started, it was certainly nice. My mom and I could go hit. My dad played tennis a little bit as he got older. Both my siblings learned about the same time I did. So it was certainly fun for us to go on vacations and we could be able to play. And, you know, I don't know. My mom obviously went through, she played junior tennis, so she had an understanding of what junior tennis was like. I certainly, she certainly told me plenty of stories from her junior tennis days, parents sitting up in the trees, coaching their players, (laughs) uh, (laughs) their kids. So I, you know, it's funny when I was growing up, I felt like she really took that to heart and was very like, she was quiet during, you know, she found me a coach. She tried to stay out of it as best she could. She let the coach run things. And it helped going to tournaments because she 
is knowledgeable of the game and she could relay the information that the coach was trying to implement and keep the message the same, but also knowing to, to step back and, and just be mom and like, wouldn't get involved in tournaments. It was very quiet. If, if anything, she'd just bring her book in a chair and, and read while I was waiting to play and, and very supportive. But my mom's always been, I'd say she was quiet, but you knew that you had her support. Um, it, it was, you know, she, she was competitive. She was a great competitor herself. And I, I learned a lot from that. Uh, just instilling that toughness in me, battling it out, just the old mentality of you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. There's just put your head down and, and, and control what you can and, and compete. So no matter how cool a tennis parent is and like in the California scene, you all can drive up and down that long state, right. And play tournament right. LA to Fresno. And so tell me about a car ride where she kind of was like, that, that kind of cool, calm, supportive mom was like pissed off and disappointed after a tournament. Yeah, it just manifested itself as an uncomfortable silence <laughs> because she'd know when I screwed up and she wouldn't have to say anything. And I'd know when I screwed up. Like if I lost a match I sh shouldn't have, or even like it was more like I, I didn't do the things that I needed to to be successful, whether or not like you and I both know, like, you can, you go out and execute the best you can, but there's another guy across the net that also has a say in how the match goes. And if I go out and do the things that I'm supposed to, and I, I leave it all out there and I don't win the match, you can't hang your head on that. But it was more of those matches where I was being an idiot on court or just didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't like, just not, not play the way that I was taught to play. That would it'd be a little uncomfortable. Just silence on <laughs> I don't do well with silence. Either. It's just like you you have a lot of time to think about what went wrong. <laughs> Those drives too, like because we stay at home, so I, I wouldn't stay in a hotel. Like most of the tournaments are Orange County, LA. You know, mm. I it's hour and a half, two hours. Mm. I, there's not look. There's not that many. Most I would say ninety percent of the memories are you know fun memories of both my parents getting up at, I mean, it's, it sounds crazy to think about the time. Like we'd get up in the morning. And also what's funny is you think about nutrition and how it's changed over the years. Like I remember my dad whipping up waffles before the match, <laughs> like four thirty five in the morning and just devouring those for an 8am match. And now I wouldn't sniff a waffle before <laughs> I go out on court, but load up the syrup and, and or maybe an omelet. And we'd we'd pack the car up and we'd drive at five AM and we'd you know be pitch black and we'd stop and like we'd wait till it start getting a little bit lighter and then we'd I think we'd stop at like the San Clemente high school. They had courts, be able to open the gate. The sun would just be coming up and, and it helped both my parents get hit so they could warm me up. Mm. So we'd stop there and hit and just keep on driving. So uh so much of my childhood memories are like positive in that regard. It's just being able to bond with my parents. And, and certainly my mom had a lot more knowledge of tennis. And so it was, I would say more of the 
coach and just would relay stuff. Whereas my dad was a little, my dad was very athletic, but he didn't play tennis as much. So it was like, we'd go do like, it was more, let's go to Dave and Buster's in between matches and, and, and blow some steam off. So um, it was a good mix of both. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, so you then go, you obviously get good, right? You, um, top 14 in the world, ITF. How did you decide? I mean, it sounds like your parents were like academically inclined, wanted you a good education and perhaps go into business, right? How did you right. choose? I mean, and you're a California kid. So if you can go to Stanford, you never say no to Stanford, right? So that's an obvious choice. But how did you decide to go to college? Because I know now, if a kid's top 25 ITF and they play three of the four junior slams, they're like, maybe I go straight to the pros. Maybe I like the kid Mickelson now, right? You know, right. pretty good. He yeah, it's funny. Chicago. I just saw him in the training room an hour ago. We were talking about it. Yeah, so. He won the tournament yeah. in Chicago and final Newport that kid might not go to college, right? So how did you decide right. that oh, I'm 14 in the world, but I still need to go to college? It was never really a thought. For one, I never played pro events before I went to college. I think I played two futures mm-hmm. before school, mm-hmm. qualified into one, and then lost first round, and then wild card into the second one and lost first round. So it wasn't like I had this. Yes, I had the track record at at the junior level. I was 14 in the world ITF. Like I never, I was solid. I made the third round of three of the four slams, but I never went deep. I I never really thought, oh, I should go right to the pros. I was 25 pounds lighter than I am now, which <laughs> is like, I mean, I was a scrawny kid. I, I was talented and I worked hard, but I, it was just always drilled into me. Like education is important. You never know. You can pursue your tennis, but not at the expense of your education. That was really the mentality that I had. And I, college was fun. I, I graduated when I was 21, so I was able to get my degree and still start out. I mean, I was a few months shy of turning 22, but it seems young when I look back on it now that I didn't miss what what I missed three years of grinding through futures. I see so many guys, I would say, and, and now you're starting to see more college players break through and 
and even I mean, look at some of these guys. Mickelson already won fifty before he goes to school. Like like I said, I didn't have an ATP point. If if I, if I were one fifty ATP at eighteen, then I think we, yeah, maybe we do have a different conversation. But that wasn't even a thought in my head. Mm. I loved school. I I thought it helped me mature. I know when I won NCAA's my sophomore year, I considered going pro then. That was the first time where I really, like that, after my freshman year, I played some pro events and that was really the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a run. Like I'm going to play professional tennis when I'm done with school. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at it even in college that way. And I won NCAAs and I really struggled that summer after I won. I didn't really handle the the pressure of, am I going to get a U.S. Open wild card? Am I not? Should I play pro? Should I not? Like all these decisions really didn't allow me to play freely. And then I thought about the life I'd built at school, my friends, the education that I was working towards and realized I, I would not regret having a Stanford education and a Stanford degree when I was playing pro. If I left, there might've been that, what if, should I finish, should I not? But I was able to complete that. I finished it all the way. I graduated a quarter early and that was a really proud moment for me to be able to say I have a degree from Stanford and then go play tennis after. So what school other than Stanford were you considering? Stanford's hard to say no to, but there's always three or four others that are like, "Eh, UCLA is looking kind of tempting or Florida or Texas or UGA. All those are also great options for tennis players. What, what, who was the second loser? At USC. I really only looked at West Coast schools. I looked at UVA and Duke a little bit. Oh. I, it was, I, I was 100% going for a combination of academics and athletics. And, but USC being from Southern California, I remember watching the Matt Liner, Reggie Bush era of USC football as I was early in my high school years. I saw Reggie Bush play in high school down at Helix. They played Poway High. I remember going to the game and watching him and Alex Smith. And I was like, oh man, I got to go be a part of that. Like that football, <laughs> like I just want, I wanted the big sports atmosphere. And it is so funny that I ended up going to Stanford coinciding with luck, coach Harbaugh mm. and Stanford. I think we beat USC three out of the four years I was at school there so it it was funny how things turned around not that like football was going to be the ultimate decider but um sc had just always been my first choice and then i went to stanford i walked around the place and i just had this feeling immediately i knew like well that that changes things like i just had this feeling that this was the place for me the combination you can't beat the combination of academic and athletics there the coaching staff did a great job recruiting me they really made me feel like a part of the team they introduced me to all the players early on I I did like that unofficial trip 
everyone on the team came to a lot of the events around campus with me. And it's just from that point forward, I knew that that's where I wanted to go. Now, how the hell did you graduate early? Because you think about you're an athlete, you got to travel, you got to train. I'm sure y'all were doing fitness in the morning, private workouts, team practice. In the summer, you got to go. I mean, you probably were starting to play some futures and that kind of stuff. In right. the summer. You probably weren't going to summer school. No, now, I didn't go to summer school. So how did you so, get that? I, and when I, came, <laughs> I came in with, I think I came in with maybe 10 credits from AP got it. Uh, courses, which wasn't that much. But I remember, so it was my junior, junior year. I'd just come back from, like, I had one NCAAs. I decided to come back to school, and I told myself, all right, if I'm coming back, I'm going to grind this year in school, and I'm going to give myself the opportunity to take the fall off my senior year. And so my parents were like, that's fine. You can take the fall off as long as you get your degree. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have to suck it up junior year, and we're going to have to load up on some courses. And I remember taking, I think I took 21 units my winter quarter junior year. And like some of it was filler. Like I made sure that it wasn't like four econ classes because I majored in econ. <laughs> it, I wasn't just going to go nuts with the econ, but that was where I started to pull in. Okay, I need this elective. Let's load this up here. Let's let's find where I can get my unit count up and where I'm I'm missing so that I can give myself that opportunity. And so I set myself up where I only needed two quarters to graduate my senior year. And then I had I hurt my back junior year. That was the first time I had surgery. I had surgery the fall of my senior year, but I knew going in, like I was injured the whole junior season with my back. It just kept getting worse and worse. We couldn't figure out what was going on. And before the fall quarter, I knew I wasn't going to be able to play for three months. So I was like, okay, if I can't play, then I'm going to go back and just go to school. And I had the surgery and I finished the two quarters out fall and, and winter quarter. And then it worked out well as I was getting healthy. I'm done with school. I can really, I still play the team matches. I, I finish out my NCAA career, but I can now train like mm -hmm. a pro. So you got U.S. Open wildcard, you win NCAAs, you got U.S. Open wildcard. And when I think of like the U.S. Open, the energy around the American players is amazing. Whether you're young, right. player, wildcard, old, and you got to play Sam Query, another American, right. right? Who's probably at that time a bigger known name. So right. very rarely are you an American U.S. Open and not having the whole crowd cheer for you. How was right. that experience playing Sam Query First of all, I'm sure the USTA was like, we give yeah. a wild, you got to play Sam Query. I mean, come on, right? right? <laughs> How was that experience having to play him first round on U.S. soil? It was. And what court you play? Racking, but we played on Louis Armstrong, the old Louis Armstrong. Oh, Louis, got it. Okay. Yeah. So, look, it was a great experience for me. Obviously, it helped. He was nervous too because we'd been <laughs> practicing some. We'd hung out. Like I got to know him that summer. And so now all of a sudden for him, he's like, I got to play this, you know, young American wild card in my home tournament. I mean, look what happened to Fritz and Holt last year. Like it's, you're the, one of the top Americans 
And now all of a sudden you're playing a young guy that you know, and everybody's expecting you to, to demolish. And so it all, it played in my favor a little bit, but it, it was a great experience for me just to to taste that that experience at the highest level. That I feel like it's those opportunities that really keep you like that's what you're striving for. And that's what keeps you going. Like having those, it's like, okay, now I know what I need to do. Now I need to get back here because I want more of it. And it's, it's been those types of feelings that have fueled me throughout my career, trying to get back even throughout the injuries, because I know what the pinnacle of the sport is. And and I'm fortunate that I had that in college early on to, to set as that bar to be like, okay, this is, this is the top or this is the the peak of playing pro tennis is playing the slams. And this is what I want to do. So when you got, when the draw came out and you got your court assignment, were you happy or disappointed? Because sometimes, right. You went into the ledge, you get your wild card. You're like, and eh, put me on court seven. Right. Or I can kind of like not be in this sort of fishbowl. But then you get query like a full Louis Armstrong. So were you hoping for the stadium with the crowd? Yeah, I want the stadium. No, I, I want the stadium. That's that's what <laughs> I play for. That's I think that's that's all part of what makes the slams great is playing in those stadiums, playing in those electric crowds. I mean, New York in the summer as an American, like my best tennis memories at the pro tour, most of the best memories have been at the U S open. I can rattle off. So my first five set win was my first grand slam win there in 2012. When I beat Meltzer after qualifying for the open, I played Nishikori in the, the new Louis Armstrong and, and lost a tight fourth, four setter, like playing Lopez, like second round, U.S. Open 2013, like even some of them that were losses are still memorable because of like the crowd support that I had and the way I was playing and just it was one of those win or lose. Like it was they're always going to stick out in my head. I remember the Lopez match this day and just the like agony of defeat. It was the first time where I really felt like I should beat this guy who's. Mm -hmm. 2025 in the world and it's like oh wow like that's the realization that I have now okay I can I can play at this level like if I'm having these thoughts like that should be me in the third round and not just like the year before I played Gasquet wiped me off the court I was like well that was fun (laughs) and then a year later I'm like this should be me in the third round it's it was quite a change from the year prior. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you've had a lot of your career sort of like interrupted by injury, right? You know, like stop. Right. Tell us about some of those injuries because I think like 
five years after you turned pro, you had like sort of a major sort of injury. Tell us about, A, tell us about the injury. And then tell yeah. us how you kept going. Because some players like guys. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been tough. I've had three back surgeries. I had my first one in college. I, I overcame that. I got back. I, I worked my way into the top 100 within a year and a half of finishing school. And I got to my career high of 63 and just a combination of like the realization that I was there. And I put more pressure on myself when I, I got to 63. And also like, is this kind of those feelings? Like, is this how it's supposed to feel when you finally break through? Um, but then I also like my back issues came up again and I never felt like, I remember getting to 63 and then going into Indian Wells, like the second or third highest ranked American and not feeling healthy and just being like, like I finally worked myself into position to be able to play the tour schedule and enjoy these events. And I felt like trash. Like my, my back was, I played Indian Wells, Miami. I didn't play until the French and I, I probably shouldn't have played the French, but I just, told the doc to stick a cortisone in my back and be like I gotta go and I like I gotta go <laughs> play a slam right. and I just I limped through that year I ended I, my ranking fell outside 200 I ended up having another surgery in 2015 and that one took 21 months to get back and I, I just remember like I was everything was going well and then I had some setbacks and I just went through a year period where I was like, I can't even get on court. It hurts too bad. Is this worth it? Like, am I doing the right? Th it was just a lot of soul searching and questioning. Like, am I doing the right things in PT? I always prided myself on doing all the little things, the extra stretching, the, the core, everything to, to give myself a chance. And it just didn't seem to work. And so there's a lot of, like, one, is it worth it? Two, like, do I need to change something? When am I going to get on court? Uh, there was a lot of, I looked at, there's like, there's a lot of tears. There's a lot of fear of what's next. Is my career really going to end prematurely at 25? But having that success right out of college and being able to hit like 63 has been my career high, but, and that was less than two years out of school. But having that, like that showed me that I had the level. It was, it was one of those things where I was like, I know I can play, but how can I keep my, like, what do I need to tweak? How can I keep my body healthy? Because if I can just allow myself to, to be healthy, then I can let my game show through. And, Finally, I found a new strength coach. I just, I started working with a new psychologist and I really actually started to believe and almost like create my own destiny, like just tell myself that I was like destined to overcome this, right. this injury and get back and, and surrounded myself with a team that believed in me and more importantly, like allowed me to believe in myself again. And it, I finally got back on tour and, and it didn't take, it took a year from the time I, 
got back on tour. I remember the first time I went back, I qualified. I made the quarters of a challenge. I was like, oh, it's like riding a bike. I'm back. And then right. I didn't win more than a match <laughs> in a row for the next. In, at the Challenger, I, I think I only made one quarterfinal after that for the next six months. Hmm. Got injured again and went through that whole questioning. And then I started working with Peter Lucasen after the U.S. Open that year. I just remember going, playing the U.S. Open. I didn't really have a stable team. I lost the match, and it wasn't losing the match, but it was the way I was playing. I was like, this is not me. Like, If I'm going to do this again, I'm not going to be happy just being 200, 250. And uh, the way I'm playing, this just this isn't going to cut it. And I'm, I came back to be top 100 again, and I need to invest in my career and so i started working with peter and i i think it was after i had gone to asia and lost two first rounds and then really got to work with peter and i immediately made back-to-back finals and my pr was about to run out too i was panicked like i was you know if this runs out and i'm 500 i'm done all of a sudden I hit two finals, I hit a semi and a quarter, and I'm back in Australia qualities to start the year next year. And I was like, okay, now it's time to go to work. And made the Newport Beach final in 2018, got an Indian Wells wild card. Like just things started slowly, slowly coming together. And then it all clicked on the grass at Wimbledon. I qualified, I won my first round, I got to play on center court and then it was just from there it was just like challenger win quality toronto went around quality since he went around and it just it's amazing how these just kind of have to keep working working and once you like get over the cliff things start to snowball yeah yeah so I, tennis is definitely one where you know you you, you gotta sort of stay in it for the long haul you gotta take baby steps you gotta take momentum from some of the small wins, like quality and win around is huge. Two, three weeks in a row, that's like, I mean, cause that's like a whole tournament. Right. You know, two, three rounds of qualities in the main draw, that's like a whole tournament, you know what I mean? So, right. you know, people don't understand and how that coming through qualities is one hurdle and then actually right. winning. A lot of people get satisfied with that, but to have right. the mental strength to then go ahead and win another round in the main is, is, is actually a step forward. So you recently yeah. came from another end. Yeah. So then, you know, it, and it's, it's been a little bit of just never feeling like I've been able to capture some of that momentum, like get injured again uh, during COVID tried to play. Once the US Open came back, I was in the main, I was like, well, I got to play that. And it's, you know, it was a weird feeling having nobody there, but it, it's the US Open and I ended up having another surgery in tw- December, 2020. And, and that really, that was i'm very happy and proud of myself for sticking with it and being able to come back and compete again because that was it was a more it was a double uh microdiscectomy on my back i hadn't had that before i'd blown out two discs and at that point, it was my third surgery. And it was like, you know, everyone around me was like, are you serious? Like, do you really want to keep coming back? Like, at what point is enough enough? 
and, and it, agree, right <laughs> right right and it's and it was true it's like yeah you know I do want to have my body intact for the rest of my life tennis career ends whether I mean now you're seeing guys extend it but um it was one of those things where I wanted to end it on my own terms that was that was I think that's and everyone defines that differently you can't all walk out uh like Sampras winning a major and just the ultimate mic drop piece um but everyone everyone defines that on their own terms a little bit differently and for me it was like the match that did it for my back was the first time I've never retired in a professional match other than that last match that I'd played before my back surgery because I couldn't actually walk like I I tried to go up and serve I I couldn't uh there was no way I'd be able to the first time where I felt defeated on court and like utterly hopeless and I just didn't want that to be my last last match and work myself back and so I'm that like the the goals have certainly changed throughout the years from wanting to be top 100 and you know then top 50 to now it's it's more like find a way to go out on my own terms and and enjoy the tournaments and and compete and enjoy that competition knowing that it it, it's doesn't last so i mean got a stanford degree right and we have a lot of downtime even plan a full schedule you sit in the hotels right right jet lag can't sleep you could almost like start a whole business while playing a professional career. Right. What do you do during the downtime? You know what I mean? Because, you know, when you're injured and you, you know, train three, yeah. four hours a day, but you got your whole day, like, you literally could probably have started a whole trading company. So, like, what did you do? <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what, what my next career looked like. <laughs> and it was a lot of conversations with various people learning as much as I could about various roles. There was a lot of reading. I didn't start my own trading company. I, I wasn't that that uh, entrepreneurial, I guess. But I, I did a little bit of coaching. I tried to figure out ways to stay involved in tennis that also didn't crush me mentally, knowing that I couldn't play. Uh, I started commentating. I first did some commentating for the World Feed at the U.S. Open, and then picked up, uh, started commentating at tennis channel and and that's been something that i've really enjoyed doing even now as i've still played so that was that that's been it's been a lot of fun for me to join the tennis channel family and and get in there and and be able to learn that craft and just watch tennis and analyze it from a different way has has helped me see the game and we've heard this from eubanks and taylor and various players who have gone into the commentary and then come out and play it just it gives you a different perspective i think it allows you to see the game more objectively as opposed to getting your own emotions i should be able to do this or like why can't i do that instead of like actually dissecting x's and o's yeah it's, it's interesting because I, I did some commentating while coaching and i i had to sit and watch matches that i probably wouldn't watch right, right. like, like you know, I probably wouldn't have watched like a tournament in Palermo or something like that, but you got to sit at the screen right. and commentate on players outside of the top right. seven, you know what right. I mean? And now you're still in the coaching, you're like, all right, you're playing her, okay, do this, this, or this, surplus, yeah. do this, this, or this. 
every time she's down, she starts here. So you're, you're st- sitting in this small room with this big TV. Right. right? And it's like you now, players that you may never even play, you just learn how to pick apart. Right? Right. <laughs> it's Definitely. It, it's a really unique experience in that way. And it, it I mean, same. I, there's, I probably wouldn't be watching uh, Umag right. if I were, you know, like, <laughs> but like, you almost start to pick up things like I've never been great on clay, but now I, I start to see some of the things they're doing with the movement and I'm like, Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that would have been helpful to implement in my own game on the clay. Uh, <laughs> or like, this is how I'd attack this person. Or um, you really start to strategize more. So have you ever thought about this becoming a double specialist? Because you look at um, somebody with some injuries, somebody that was a top just 63 in the world in singles and you look at guys who are top 10 in the world in doubles and never broke 150 in singles. And you right. figure, I mean, if you stick a good singles player on half the court like Jack Sock, you become the best right. double player ever to play a game, right? Right. <laughs> so have you ever um, thought about, you know what? My last ditch effort at this, I'm going to go try singles, give it a year. If not, I'm going to play half the court. It crossed my mind last year when I played in San Diego. We made the semis there. I hadn't been playing that much. And I was like, oh, like, I played doubles in college. I made the finals of NCAAs there as well. Like, I certainly understand doubles. And and I would still have plenty to learn because I haven't played it that much and <laughs> played it more like a singles guy. You know, there's 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 playing doubles as a singles guy. And then there's playing doubles as a doubles yeah, guy. And like half-court singles. You played half-court yeah, singles. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely different strategies. And, you know, I – the singles guys are phenomenal tennis players, so they can definitely <laughs> figure out ways to win. But uh, I haven't thought about it too much. Uh, I just try to enjoy the remainder of the singles that I have. Uh, I, you know, I it's it would certainly be easier on the body, but also at the same time, I, I understand the the demands of that I would put on myself and making sure that I stayed in shape and and the travel um, and. We'll see. Uh, I mean, uh, I never say never, but it's it it's not at the forefront of my mind right now. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the time. Uh, I admire you, number one. Great playing D one tennis, winning NCAA's, and graduating a semester early at Stanford. First person I ever met to do that. So congratulations on that. Uh, secondly, man, for persevering. You know what I mean? In terms of like loving the game so much, getting injured, getting knocked down, coming back up. You're definitely an inspiration to everybody. Uh, and so thank I want you. to thank you for your time. I almost feel bad. Thank you. Like he needs to be in the gym stretching, doing some rubber band exercises so he can like, so I, I got all that done with this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you gotta have, find some time to enjoy, enjoy uh, the tour as well and enjoy the city. You can't be all focusing on stretching and recovery and everything else. Keep well, the mind luck. sharp. You so what's on your schedule now? Where can we look for you? Uh, Washington D.C. on Saturday for qualies, and then I'll be out at Stanford for the Challenger, and then hopefully U.S. Open. All right, brother. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Thanks this so much, Kamal. Uh, this has been the Tennis.com podcast with Bradley Klein. <laughs>